0: Uh, He is an American or was an American. He was a 19th century preacher. He was great-grandfather of President Lyndon Johnson, who you may um, have heard of. And he knew an army uh, general called Sam Houston. And Sam Houston is described as a vulgar, aggressive and so Pastor Baines uh, got to know him and actually had the incredible privilege of leading this man to faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, Houston uh, then got baptized. That was a huge surprise to many people. And then what he did was that he offered to pay half of Pastor Baines's salary for life. And so I went up to him and said, why? Why would you do that? And his reply was this, my checkbook was baptized along with me. My checkbook was baptized along with me. You might have heard of a guy called Martin Luther, great theologian and reformer. He once said that there are three conversions necessary for the Christian life. The conversion of the heart, the conversion of the mind, and the conversion of the purse or the wallet. And actually, the last one is far more difficult than the other two. Today, I'm going to talk about something that is a really difficult subject. It is way more difficult than talking about sex, more difficult than talking about politics. I'm going to be talking about money and talking about giving. It's a difficult topic because actually many people will share a whole load of details about the rest of their lives. You know, it's not uncommon for people to come and say to me, you know, I'm struggling with watching this on the internet, I'm having an affair, Um, I'm taking this drug, I'm an alcoholic. That's not uncommon. But I don't think I can remember anyone that has come and said to me, this is what I earn and this is what I give. It's almost a taboo subject. It's considered so private. And so we're kicking into a new mini-series this morning which we've entitled Investing in the Kingdom. And this leads up to an annual day in the life of our church which we call Commitment Sunday. That is on the 21st of May, so two Sundays time. See, the reality is many people, including many Christians, seek advice as to how to handle our money well. We seek advice as to how to increase our wealth But rarely does someone ask how they can increase their giving. C.S. Lewis, great Christian author, he wrote this. He said, God is a transcendental interferer. God is a transcendental interferer. God has this habit of sticking his nose into our business. Have you noticed that? If you're a follower of Jesus, he has this habit of sticking his nose into our business. He comes along and he talks to us about our temper. He comes along and talks to us about that grudge that we're holding. He talks to us about our weight. He talks to us about our sex lives. And he talks to us about money. Even when we don't ask him to talk to us about any of these things. He's a transcendental interferer. Now, if you're here this morning and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you're off the hook this morning because what we're specifically going to be talking about is what the Bible says to followers of Jesus about this habit. I'm delighted that you're here. I hope that what I share is helpful, but in many ways on this, you're off the hook for now. If you have a Bible, could you turn to the book of Malachi? Um, If you're using a device and you don't know where Malachi is, type it in. Uh, If you're using a paper Bible, the index is a fabulous resource. Um, Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament, so if you can find the gospel stories, take a left, you'll find Malachi. It's going to come up on the screen in a moment. What I would love to do is just pray for us as we go into this um, subject this morning. Lord, thank you that everything comes from you, that every good thing comes from you, And Lord, as we look at this subject this morning of money and giving, Lord, I want to ask that we would not become defensive. But Lord, that we would be open to wisdom. In fact, we would be seekers of wisdom. That we would be open to grace, to help us to live extravagantly generous lives. And so Lord, we welcome your presence to come and be with us and to help us as we dig into this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to read from verse 6 of chapter 3 in Malachi. This is a prophetic writing, so it's it's like the Lord speaking. He says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, And I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house." Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty." This was written probably about 400 years before Christ. Uh, Malachi is a prophet. He was likely the last prophetic writer you'll find in the Old Testament, Um, and, and the last prophet before John the Baptist, who lived at the same time as Jesus. What I want to do this morning is just ask some questions that maybe you have always wanted to ask about money and giving, but have been afraid to ask. So I'm going to be fairly plain this morning. Um, and fairly, um, hopefully, clear. Firstly, why should I give? Why should I give? I'd say very simply, because God says so. Because God says so. Verse 10, I'll read that again. God says, "'Bring the whole tithe, the whole of your gift, "'into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. "'Test me in this,' says the Lord Almighty, "'and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven.'" and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Now, the storehouse being referred to here is not a ministry project of Riverfied Vineyard Church, in case that was confusing to you. Uh, the best way to think about storehouse in this context is local church. It's probably the best way to think about it now. And God says that we can test him in this area of our lives, in our giving, we are given permission to test him. As far as I'm aware, this is about the only area of life where we're given that permission. So for example, if you to say to God, God, I'm not sure whether you're real, whether Jesus is real, could you write a sign on the wall? Or if you said, God, could you just prove to me that Jesus really rose from the dead? Could you write that in the sky? God would most likely say to us, don't put me to the test. But in this area of giving, we are given permission to test God. And the verses that I read in Malachi, he gives us three reasons why we should give. The first is this, there is a promise of blessing. Did you hear that in verse 10? That if we do this, if we bring our full gift, he will open the floodgates of heaven and we'll have so much blessing we won't have enough room for it. Now, I don't know what the exact nature of the blessing is that God gives to those who give their whole gift, their whole tithe back to him. And I don't know, as as Malachi goes on, I don't know the exact nature of the curse if we don't do that. What I simply know is that I would rather live under blessing than under curse. I would rather be open and living in God's blessing. What about you? What about you? Secondly, there's a promise of protection. Verse 11. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Again, I don't know the exact precise nature of that protection that God offers us. God offers to those who give. It might be protection over our families. It might be protection over our stuff. It might be protection over our health, over our loved ones. What I simply know is this. Whatever the measure of that protection, I want it. What about you? And then thirdly, there's a promise of witness in verse 12. It says, in response to this, then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. I'm going to do just an ever so small name drop at this point. A year and a bit ago, um, I was invited up to the Houses of Parliament. There was a reception that was being uh, thrown by a couple of the local MPs. Um, And one of those was uh, Ruth Cadbury. Um, She's, I don't know whether she's currently an MP, I don't know with the dissolution of Parliament what she is. Um, But she was at that point the MP for Isleworth and Brentford. And she was the one at the door welcoming us in, and I I introduced myself, and I said, Hi, my name's Andy, I'm the pastor of Riverside Vineyard Church. And she said, Oh, you're the church that does storehouse. Yeah. You see, generosity is a witness for God's kingdom. It's a promise of witness. Second question, how should I give? How should I give? Very simply... What I believe the Bible teaches us is to give first, to give off the top of what we have. There is a principle in the Bible of giving first fruits. That was literally the first of the harvest, the first lambs of the flock, the principle of giving to God first. Why would that be important? It's important because it teaches us something vital about how we handle money. See, if you look to the wisdom of the world around us, it would go something like this. We earn our money, we enjoy what we have, and normally we over-enjoy it. We over-indulge, which leads to debt. We repay our debt, then we save for our future needs once we're out of debt. And then we give if there's anything left over. God's way of handling money pretty much flips that on its head. So the Bible teaches us this. We earn our money, and then we give generously to the work of the Lord. Then we repay any debts, we save for our future needs, and then we enjoy what's left over. C.S. Lewis, great Christian author, wrote this, and this I love. He says, there ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditures excludes them. That's quite challenging. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditures excludes them. For Bethan and I, the first line on our household budget is our giving. That's the first line on our budget. We give back to God before the tax man gets his hands on us. Simply because we love God more than the tax man. How much should I give? Now, this next bit may make us feel a little bit uncomfortable. I'm going to talk about tithing, what it is, how it works, and whether or not it applies to people like you and I as New Testament Christians. If we have given our lives to Jesus, we do so in the light of Jesus, post-Jesus living and dying and resurrecting from the dead. So how might this apply? Well, let me just read verses 8 to 10 again. God says, will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. God says to the, through Malachi to the people that he was speaking to there, you're robbing me when you don't give your whole gift, when you don't give a whole tithe. Ouch. Ouch. Tithe is literally a tenth part, 10%. And God is saying to the people that he's speaking to here, you're robbing me when you spend what you should have given to me on yourself. It's a shocking accusation. It's really quite sharp when you read what's being written here. It's a shocking accusation. What God is saying to the people that he's speaking to is, you are stealing from me. Now, the only way we can steal something is by taking from someone something that doesn't belong to us. That's theft, yeah? If someone has something and you take it, that is stealing. And that is exactly God's point. In finance matters, what we're talking about is what belongs to God. See, there is an assertion through the Bible that God owns everything. So as I think about my life, He owns my house. And He owns my car. He owns my iPad. He owns my sofa, and chairs, and table. He owns everything. He owns my life. He owns everything. Everything belongs to him. There's a book by a Christian author called John Ortberg, which was entitled, When the Game is Over, It All Goes Back Into the Box. Parents, you've probably said that to children yet. They're merrily playing a game, and the pieces of a jigsaw are just scattered everywhere. And you get either to the end of the day or to the end of playtime when you say, right, back in the box. All the pieces need to go back into the box. What John Ortberg says is that when we get done playing the game of life, everything goes back into the box. The box is about seven foot long, two foot wide, two foot deep. It all goes back into the box. God owns everything. What he generously says to us is, you keep 90% to meet your needs, but just so that you remember that everything belongs to me, give back 10%. That will be a reminder to you, uh, you know, like an indicator that you don't own it, that it all belongs to him. Now that raises a whole load of questions, and I'm going to just try and work through some of these. Do I really have to give a tithe? Now, I've thought long and hard about this over the last few years. When I read passages like Malachi chapter 3 and other places in the Old Testament, the Bible is very, very clear. The New Testament rarely mentions tithing. And there may be a couple of reasons for that. It may be because it was so entrenched in everyone's thinking that there was just no need to mention it. But on the other hand, it may be because in the light of Jesus, we now live under grace, not under the law. And that is true. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you have done so not because you obey any laws, but because of the free gift of grace that God gives us in Jesus Christ. That's true. But I believe that we still need to think about this. And let me give you the reason why. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul talks about, about financial giving. And what he says there is that our giving should be in keeping or in proportion to our income. That raises a fairly obvious question. What proportion? Given that giving is so central to discipleship, do we think that God might give us some guidance, that somewhere in here, even as a New Testament Christian, do we think that somewhere in here, God might give us some guidance to answer that question, how our gifts should be in proportional keeping to our income? Do we think that somewhere in here, God might help us? That was a rhetorical question. The answer, I believe, is yes. Yes. Tithing is his guidance. Now, I don't believe that it is a sin not to tithe. I believe it's a problem not to give. If you read the New Testament, a non-giving Christian is like an oxymoron. The, the, the New Testament writers would scratch their heads and say, I, "I just don't, I just don't get that." To to give grudgingly is a problem. But what I and many others have found is that this practice or this principle of tithing is incredibly helpful guidance when we come to think about generous giving. And then we might ask, you might say to me, Andy, well, do I really need to give 10%? What, what if I gave 5%? Or what if I gave 3%? What if I gave 1%? Or, or just occasionally... You know, Andy, I obey God in other areas. I, I, I pray sometimes. I thank God for my food sometimes. And what we might actually be asking is this. Andy, how little can I get away with and still get into heaven? What's the, what's the minimum amount when it's going to be okay? Andy, could you, could you just give me the bottom line? Let me put that question into a different context. Imagine a husband saying to his wife, Darling, what's the least amount I need to do in order to stay married? What, what's, the, what's the bottom... What, how little do I need to do around the house and for us to be okay? How... How few times can I express appreciation and love to you, and you'll put up with that? Andy, could you just what, what, what is what is the lowest I can go? Or think about the relationship with a friend. You say to your friend, "How many times can I offend you, and we'll still be okay? I, I just need to because I'm totting them up. I, I, how many times can I offend you, and we'll, you know is a little bit of gossip behind your back? Is that going to be okay?" How low can I go before you stop being my friend? See, that's crazy, isn't it? It's absolutely crazy. You see, when we start thinking about minimums, we move out of the realm of relationship and we move into the realm of grudging obligation and legalistic counting. But when we're in a relationship with God, the question surely is, how can I please you, rather than, what can I get away with? So imagine you hired someone. You know, your, your garden needs a bit of uh, work on it. So you hire someone uh, to come and cut the grass, tidy up the borders, do a bit of pruning, and you agree with them up front, 100 pounds for a day work. And so you go off and do your thing, and you come back home at the end of the day, and you find that your garden is just immaculate. But not only that, That person has also washed your car, they've cleaned your windows, they've cleaned out the gutters, they've gone and got some food, they've cooked it, and it's now on the table waiting for you. And so you come home, and you say to them, well, you went way beyond what I asked, so I'm going to give you less, 50 pounds, is that okay? (laughs) No, no, that's not okay. And that's the point. In the Old Testament, the people tithe. And so in the light of Jesus, do you think we should aim to be more or less generous? Sharing personally for myself and and, Bethan, and we've shared this before very openly, not that you would think better of us, please do not do that. In fact, we've shared this kind of stuff at the risk of losing our reward in heaven. And we've done so simply because if it helps you to build up reward, then we'll go without and that's fine. But we have over these last 10 or 12 years sought to incrementally increase our giving year on year. For the last few years we have been double tithing simply because we want to live as extravagantly, generously as we possibly can. Here's another question. Isn't tithing just for the average person, not for the well off, just the average person? There's a story told by a guy called Peter Marshall. He was chaplain to the U.S. Senate. And he had a Christian friend who was really struggling with this issue of giving, even though he had a huge salary. And the friend said to him, I used to tithe to my church, but now that I'm making half a million dollars a year, I can't afford to give anymore. Because that would mean I would need to write a check for $50,000, and that's just too much. So the chaplain, Peter Marshall, very wisely said to him, he said, could we just pray about this? He said, yeah, that would be great. And this is the prayer that he prayed. He said, Lord, will you reduce my friend's income until he can afford to tithe again? If you feel that you earn too much to give your full gift to God, he can fix that. Ask him. He'll he'll fix that problem for you. Isn't giving or tithing just for established people? In other words, you might be paying off student loan. You might have uh, been saving for a house. You might, you know, do we just wait until we are on a firm footing financially when we, you know, maybe started saving for a pension, that kind of thing? Let me say this. Giving is never easy. It's never easy. It doesn't matter what age you are. What I found is that it is easier to develop a good habit of giving when you're young rather than when you are older. It's one of the reasons why we teach um, our children and young people in this church about this practice of giving. If you're a parent here, let me encourage you to help your children into good habits when they are young. For me personally, I started regularly giving to my church when I was seven years old. And I believe that that is a habit that has put a good foundation in my life for the years since. Another question. Isn't giving or tithing for those who have enough? they have enough to give? So there'll be some people that just don't have enough. Why don't you take a look at this short video. This is from Trent Vineyard. And John Wright, who leads that church, is sharing a story from Cardiff Vineyard. Let's take a look at this.
1: Faithful giving demonstrates our trust in God, our dependence on him, and it positions us for God's blessing and his protection. You'll see on the screen here a letter which reads this way. To Cardiff Vineyard Church, dear Sir, Madam, we are asylum seekers and are not sure how long we will remain in Cardiff. While we are here, we are being provided with accommodation as well as Tesco vouchers to buy food. As we do not have money, we are unable to pay our tithes and offering in cash. Therefore, we would be grateful if you would receive our tithes and offering in Tesco vouchers until we have money of our own. Sorry for the inconvenience. God bless. P.S. They work well at the tills. (laughs) And enclosed there you see four £10 Tesco gift cards. That is profound.
0: That is really profound. God simply asks us to give out of what he has given us, out of what is in our hands. Now, if you'd like to dig more deeply into this, I know that I've just touched on a number of things, but it's a a deep area. Um, I've I've got a really helpful resource on this whole subject of tithing. You can just email me, um, and I'll be delighted to send that to you. The best advice that I think I can offer is this ask god in prayer how he wants you to give and to deal with your money ask god in prayer listen to what he says and then do it ask him listen and then do it remember that the christian life is a walk it's one of the metaphors the bible uses to describe faith is as walking with god how do you walk Right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, one step at a time. In the area of giving and handling money, what I want to invite us all to do is to take the next step, to ask God what the next step is for you. So if you've never given before, begin to give. If you give sporadically, give regularly. If you give regularly, begin to tithe. And if you tithe, give extravagantly. Now, I mentioned that in two weeks' time on the 21st of May is a day that we call Commitment Sunday in the life of this church. It's an annual time when we encourage everyone to review financial and time commitments. If you're in one of the small groups that's in our church or or you're on one of the teams, then on the table at the back, there is an envelope with your name on it. We would love you, please, uh, to pick that up this morning. Um, That will save us postage costs next week. Um, If there isn't one with your name on it um, and you are in a group or on a team, huge apologies. That may simply mean that your group leader or team leader has not updated us um, and we haven't got that detail. But there are also loads of spare envelopes on the table at the back. And I would love everybody that considers Riverside Vineyard their home uh, to pick up an envelope this morning. What you'll find in that envelope is a letter. I'd love you to read that letter. I want you to encourage you to be responding to that, to be prayerfully at this time reviewing your giving. What is the Lord inviting you into? And then above and beyond our regular giving, there is an opportunity to be a part of and to give to our ongoing church center development. I'm going to share more on that in the next couple of weeks. Um, We are making exciting progress on the build. In fact, whether or not you need to use the toilet facilities at the end of this morning, could I just invite you to go through the double doors at the back. You'll see the opening has been cleared out, and you'll see some of the exciting progress that is being made there. We're just so looking forward to being able to get in there. And I'm hoping that in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be able to update on the opening timescale. You'll see in the letter that we'd like to finish this project in one go. And right now, there are some things that we've not yet been able to do. One of those is to build and to kit out the cafe serving area. We really want to finish that part of the project, um, not only for some of the times around our weekend services, but also during the week to have that available for them. And every one of us can be a part of making that possible. So could you grab an envelope, take a read, have a pray, there's a response card in the envelope. We'd love you to bring that with you to a service on the 21st of May. I'm going to just close by saying a few things. Um, I appreciate that talking about money and giving is not easy. Um, our experience of this, our background of this in different churches may be hugely variable. My hope is, is that I've not made anyone feel too uncomfortable this morning. If my words have made you feel uncomfortable, I apologize. But if the Lord has made you feel uncomfortable, I'm making no apology for that whatsoever. You see, I'm someone that is committed to following Jesus. And that means that I want to follow Jesus. And a part of that following is a commitment to becoming more like Jesus. And one of the things that I recognize is that Jesus is extravagantly generous. And so for myself, I want to become more like him. I want to find ways to live more extravagantly generous. And so I've shared what I've shared this morning simply because, and I hope you hear it this way, that my heart and my prayer for you is that you would do extraordinarily well in becoming more like Jesus. That's why I do what I do. I, 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 my prayer is that you would do way better than I do, that you would become way more generous than I would, but that's my heart and my hope and my prayer for every one of us, that we would become more like Jesus, who is extravagantly generous. And so I would love to pray for us and have, and us have an opportunity to pray with one another this morning. So If you're able, could I invite you to stand? Um, Ash, do you want to come on back?